I have a question, Mr. Akash. What's up, Ian? Um, is Kyle Pitts bad at uh, football? Is he bad at football? No. Arthur Smith's just bad at being a head coach. Oh, okay. Yeah. So right now, Kyle Pitts will end up fine. Right now, he has a 23% target share. And his dot right now is actually like 15.7, which is crazy. Um, so he's earning targets the same way he did as a rookie, even at a higher rate. He, he keeps earning them down the field. You know, we know he's athletic. We know he's basically a wide receiver and a tight end body. Um, but the way they're deploying him isn't very fantasy friendly. You know, the offensive volume isn't very fantasy friendly. He's also been relatively unlucky on his targets so far. And so I'll continue to buy Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I think the thing is you have this absolutely terrible mix of where he's not being used at a high percentage in the offense at all. I mean, just last week he had a 60% route participation, which is over 20% lower than what he had on the season as a rookie. So not only is the percentages just not where it should be, but also just the offensive volume in general is just bad. Marcus Mariota had 20 dropbacks, just 20 dropbacks last week, and Kyle Pitts was used in 12. So not only is the percentages down, but the volume itself is just bad yeah absolutely right now on the season he has a 74.8 percent route participation that's just not where you want to see we want to see him at least at 80 percent and then elite elite gets uh up to 90 to 100 it's not the deployment's not ideal the talent hasn't changed well and there is there's no reason to like expect this even if arthur smith is a bad head coach which he likely is but Arthur Smith was also the head coach last year, and we saw Pitts as a rookie have 80% route participation. I don't have where that ranks amongst rookies off the top of my head right now, but it's like one of the higher route participations we've seen from a rookie. Absolutely. So every, everything should have pointed that Kyle Pitts was going – because we knew his talent level was high. He's a very high target earner. But we shouldn't have expected this route participation to go down because it's not like Arthur Smith is a new head coach this season. Like – he used Kyle Pitts last year. So if that's if that's something that gives you more confidence in Kyle Pitts being used right versus not, I think that's something at least. Yeah, absolutely. And so like especially in this last game where they only dropped back twenty times and he was used on twelve of them, you know, that's like partly because of the way their matchup lined up. You know, there's no I believe no clowny, no um Miles Garrett, and so they just ran the ball a bunch. You know, that's the way their offense looks like right now with Mariota. And so I wouldn't panic on him, especially not, like, in Dynasty. Oh, yeah, I absolutely would not be panicking on Kyle Pitts, and not to talk about him too much. And you, you already talked about how, like, he's earning, he's still earning targets downfield, which is what you want to see from a tight end, and everything's looking great in terms of, like, his peripherals minus his usage. But one, like, statistic, at least looking through the week, that just stood out to me and is in, well, a lot of ways pretty depressing, is that we saw Kyle Pitts last week put up a 33.3% target share, and that was good for four points per game or four PPR in tight end premium formats. And Drake London on the same offense put a 36.8% target rate last week, and he ends up with 3.7 points. So the fact that we're seeing two very high-level uh, receivers, well, and we can call Kyle Pitts a receiver in this situation, but we have two high-level receivers that are earning like 
very strong targets for well the routes that they're being used in or the usage that they're getting and they're having nothing to show for that i mean because the offensive volume is just terrible and obviously the efficiency you're getting from the quarterback position wasn't going to be great to begin with we have no volume offsetting that right now so at least drake london's fine right now because he's not in a situation where he's not getting you know the route participation or usage that you know the cow pits isn't getting so it's a it's a very frustrating offense as exciting as cow pits and drake london have actually been yeah hey right now can i make Master a Chick- rebuttal about kyle about arthur smith if you don't mind yeah what's up so the falcons have covered four of their four games so far this season and they had a win total of four and a half games and they've already won two and probably should have won the other against the saints so I think it's unfair to say Arthur Smith is a, a bad coach at this point because he's playing to the team's strengths, which is running the ball, and Mariota is not a good passer. And at the same time, Drake London is a better separator and a better target earner than Kyle Pitts. So I think next year, if they do get an upgraded quarterback, then it looks very good for Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Just wanted to say that. I don't think Arthur oh, yeah. Smith is Me a bad Me saying coach. that Arthur Smith— I think Smith. he's a bad coach for fantasy— yeah, that's what we're saying. We're saying he's a bad coach for just for how he's using Kyle Pitts. He's a he's doing well with what he has right now because this team is not built very well. As in terms of like actually winning games on the whole, he's doing well. It's just for the deployment for Kyle Pitts, and this is a little bit of us getting like irrational, being like, yeah, he's he's not using my favorite player, so I'm mad at him and I'm calling him bad. But objectively, like for what he's doing with what he has, it's been good. I, yeah, I do have I a question for you guys. Um, yeah, shoot. What do you think about Travis Etienne long term? I mean, like he seems to be getting the passing down work and splitting with James Robinson, sort of. And I, I think he looks good. I think, you know, he's catching passes, uh, but he's just like not playing a lot. Do you feel confident in him long term? Like, is he a top fifteen, top twelve dynasty running back? So. Uh, just going off the Arthur Smith thing first. Um, I wasn't trying to say Arthur Smith was, well, you know, a bad head coach in general, because especially for us as fantasy, well, myself as fantasy analyst, where I'm looking so hard with skill position players, you know, you obviously don't get the rest of the story, especially with the defensive side of the ball or uh, the rest of that. I wasn't more so saying that uh, Arthur Smith is a bad head coach, but in terms of utilizing his best players, we're obviously seeing, you know, a lackluster than what we want but it's it's kind of the same situation where like last year we were frustrated with um zach taylor and obviously zach taylor's not a bad head coach and it's hard to say someone's a bad head coach when they're just in the super bowl but it was frustrating to see the offensive volume uh at least for the first half of last season giving all the weapons he had and the commitment that they made to a wide receiver core given uh through draft capital and to joe burrow so for them to have those pieces and then become a team in the first half of last year that was rushing basically as much as they were passing. That's where, that's where uh, I was trying to say that like it's more so maybe not bad head coaching, but as in it's infuriating for, we know that players are util- are not being utilized in the way that is best suited for um, great fantasy production, I guess. Yeah. yeah and also, I, I agree. you know, maybe, maybe being a bit too kind to Zach Taylor because as a play caller, in terms of what he's what he is doing, it's definitely not ideal. So, I don't know. At least, um, at least Arthur Smith has the excuse of having Mariota as his quarterback. Yeah, um, and then I'll hit on the ETN point. Um, so ETN, I 
obviously this is not the start that we wanted from ETN to start the season. And I don't think someone would absolutely be lying to you if they said that this is what they expected and wanted from Travis ETN because we know that's not the case. But it's not something where I'm overly panicked just yet. Um, you made the point that he's been fine in the receiving game, in which he has like an 8.5% target share isn't bad, but it's not great for someone who's been strictly a uh, receiving option. Only a 30% carry percentage on the entire season is not great, um, but it also gives us a spot that he's at 30% right now in the first four weeks in basically his NFL career coming off an injury. And I know saying the coming off an injury thing is hard to Travis Etienne because the first thing that you can do is talk about how James Robinson is somehow miraculously recovered from an Achilles. and He's the king of outliers is what I would call James Robinson. But Travis Etienne, I'm not trying to compare him to that. So when I say that he's coming into the year as first NFL action and he's coming off what is considered a major injury, um, it, it's not. It's something that adds some context and doesn't get me overly worried. Um, and he's been efficient in the receiving game, a 0.6 yards per team pass attempt. And a little bit of that is Trevor Lawrence. But if he's going to be a target share owner, which he's showed glimpses of, um, I think the carry percentage will eventually follow. And if it's going to be a decent offense with uh, Trevor Lawrence, if he's going to be a good passer, I think that's just that much better for Travis Etienne. As far as being an RB1, off the top of my head, I'd say he's probably at that fringe top 15 in terms of feeling comfortable like spending that value to acquire. Yeah, so Etienne, for me, is tough. It's basically like, um, I was talking to my friend the other day, and he says, yeah, it's basically his rookie season, and that's true. You know, he's only played four games in his career. James Robinson already had um, a lot big history of production before his Achilles injury. Now he's coming back and he's returning to, he's not returning to the full James Robinson role, honestly. Like he only has a 55% uh, opportunity share right now. And he's still like kind of splitting carries with Etienne, like 15 to nine right now. And so Etienne is forcing a committee in at the beginning of his NFL career, basically. And the receiving works there. We know he was a receiver in college, you know, at film people didn't love his, like his uh receiving film but the numbers were there to say that okay this guy can be a receiver in the nfl and he's doing that and so i think he can force more and more of a split in the rushing game which would uh and then he has the advantage of uh the passing game but really i think that the tough part is you know he, ha- he has the first round draft capital and you know it's a good signal of talent and role but the tricky part is that the like this isn't like a lot of other rookie scenarios where you have the running back like a uh, Brees Hall and you have a uh, Michael Carter who we who has like no history of production outside of like RB three production in his rookie season when no one else was in the backfield and so you say okay they drafted Hall they're gonna ease him more into more into a role as the season goes along and then we see that happen that's not exactly the case for Etienne because the coach that drafted him got fired. So it's kind of tricky. Like I'm, I'm not sure he's gonna be like gaining a bunch. I'm, I'm not sure he's like ever gonna take over the rushing game. Is what I'm saying. But I think it's definitely possible, and he still presents high upside if he does. Yeah, I think those are all really good points. And uh, just to go off a player that you mentioned, Brees uh, Hall, I. Th- because obviously you just mentioned it, they're easing him in and he has the high draft capital and this is his first action and like similarity to Travis Etienne. But um, I would say up to this point, Brees Hall has been absolutely impressive. Um, 
especially in the receiving Absolutely. game, which mm-hmm. isn't, yep. isn't something I would say was totally expected because we knew that Brees Hall could be a good receiver in the same way that we felt like, and maybe a little more so than this, but like a Jonathan Taylor could be a solid receiver. And there's, they get so much usage and they're good enough as players that they will get a solid amount of the targets and receiving uh, usage needed to be like a high ceiling option. Um, but the fact that we've seen this from Brees Hall this early, a 14.2% target share, and the carries have just ticked up each week is absolutely encouraging that he's being used this much in the passing game. Because I, I would not have been uh, disappointed or it wasn't outside my expectations that Brees Hall has a solid year this year with a 10 11% target share, shall we say. Um, because that's basically what we saw out of like similar type league winner prospects like Jonathan Taylor, Adrian Peterson. And eventually, like as each year went on and even lower uh, fledged guys than league winners like Ezekiel Elliott types, where they're, they get a ton of usage, target share is fine, but it ticks up each year, which makes it easier or more uh, uh, easier path to higher upside because they're getting all those targets. But the fact we're seeing a 14.2% target share from Brees Hall this early and the carries have remained ticking up. I mean, I'm actually really excited about Brees Hall. Yeah, I think right now Brees Hall is, he's always a solid buy in Dynasty just because of the, the escape of the Dynasty running back landscape with Javante, especially with Javante going down. But in redraft, I would get like really aggressive with buying him because he can be a league winner down the stretch. He, you know, continue, he'll continue to take over this backfield. Uh, it's just everything's been going in his favor. Every situation, they're like going to him more and more. It's amazing to see. Like right now, it's funny. Um, Brees Hall has higher receiving expected points per game then Travis Etienne has total point expected points per game you just thought that was funny uh I'm laughing just so you know I just had my mic muted <laughs> okay awesome all right anyone else have any ho- other questions I think yeah, I got a question um so first what are your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor right now like is he not the workhorse like I obviously he's a workhorse but is he not like the dynasty rb1 that we thought coming into the year or is it just like is the bad offensive line going to change or is he just not that like surefire guy um well jonathan taylor's still fine and the injury obviously doesn't because he'll go this week without putting up any more production but jonathan taylor's fine i think the issue too was in terms of his peripherals as good as jonathan taylor was it's hard to say like just looking at it that he is a uh, fear-fledged RB1, that's what we want. Like, what I mean by that is, like, Saquon Barkley after his rookie year or Christian McCaffrey after his second year where all the peripherals, like, like target share um, and all that. Because, obviously, uh, Jonathan Taylor had the carry percentage, but I just mentioned him in the target share where we were talking about uh, Brees Hall because that a high target share, like you've seen with Alvin Kamara, leads to high upside. And um, the study hasn't been, or I don't have the updated study from this year, but excluding uh, this year, looking at running back ones, uh, Jonathan Taylor was right at that cusp in terms of like target share, average target share of running back one was 12% over the last four years, not counting this season. Um, so that, that says that that target share leads to upside or that high upside. And Jonathan Taylor never exactly blew up in the receiving game. He just had enough that his on-the-ground peripherals that were so good could be held up with a, a nice additional boost with target share. It just didn't have the Christian McCaffrey-level upside. 
But as far as expecting Jonathan Taylor to be last year, that's tough because that was a guy that scored 20 plus touchdowns. Like you can't, that was kind of the issue in my head with Jonathan Taylor was for him to reach the same upside he did last year, you were going to need touchdowns or a blow up in the receiving game. So Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor is still really good. He's still a clear top, top five, top three dynasty running back, even with the injury. Um, It's just that, the expectations have been reset a little bit because, well, he scored so many touchdowns last year, which helped his points per game. He's still getting over 20 rush attempts per game, so he's fine. Yeah, right now he has 18 expected points per game. Last year he also had 18. It's just that he ran really hot in both touchdowns, big plays, yards per carry, all that stuff that we know isn't sticky year to year. He ran really hot in all of that. And so, you know, you're seeing him come back down to earth. No one... No one really is uh, Superman, not even Jonathan Taylor. Uh, regression comes for us all, all that. And so I'm not panicking at all with him. You know, he's still going to get the volume. And with the state that running backs are right now, he still would probably be my dynasty RB1. And that is until Bijan Robinson comes into the league. Um, because, you know, just there, there are no more running backs who are going to have like, like easily clear 20 points per game, like having like 23, 24, 25 points per game. That's just not how it is right now. No running back outside of Joe Mixon has 20-plus expected points per game right now. And Mixon's just been completely awful on a per-touch basis. I think he's going to like drastic- I think he's gonna drastically underperform his expected points per game on the season. And his expected points per game is probably going to come down over the season just because he's never been a 23-expected-points-per-game player throughout his entire career. And so, in that sense, I think Jonathan Taylor will be fine and his dynasty value will be fine. Obviously, it's not going to be what it was a year ago just because he'll be a year older and not coming off the RB1 overall season unless he really turns it up through the rest of the season. But I wouldn't panic on him. Uh, I would, for whatever it's worth, I would take Saquon over uh, Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. And value aside or in a vacuum, that's not ridiculous to say we would have before this season because we've seen uh, Saquon get something that Jonathan Taylor hasn't had, even with really good peripherals out of both of them. Uh, uh, Saquon Barkley has proven himself and has shown himself as basically a top-notch receiver, especially out of the backfield. Yeah. So yeah, that, it's, that itself. Um, and then now that he's healthy and we're actually seeing that usage come to fruition really um he's he's back up in my head in a top five dynasty wide or running back position no question he's my yeah he's he should be rb2 or rb1 they can contend yeah i i don't mind that that's all i definitely don't think that um jonathan taylor is going to be like clear the rb1 going into like startups next season yeah yeah, well, I yeah, especially that. once Bijan gets added to the mix. <laughs> uh, and Gibbs. I like Gibbs. Yeah, I like Gibbs, too. There's a lot of lot of very good running backs in this class. You're going to have, like, what, three guys in the top ten, like, automatically? Yes. Uh, I, I want to say probably three. Uh, I'm Maybe for sure more. right now putting two in uh, between Bijan and Gibbs. But Gibbs is also someone, and not to get too into that. Debbie you do more Debbie than me. Yeah, but he's someone that can come in and blow up the passing or the receiving game. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that makes him an instant top 10. And I think you brought up the running back landscape a few times. It's yeah. one that is just absolutely kind of crazy to look at because if you look at ADP even or keep trade cut, right? If you took a picture right now versus a year from now, it's going to look completely different. And I think that's pretty funny because right now we're looking at such a volatile running back landscape. It's The value just feels crazier than it has in a little while. Oh, yeah. We got like... Nick Chubb at RB6 right now should tell you all you need to know about what it's looking <laughs> yeah. like right now. 26-year-old Chubb, 26-year-old McCaffrey, and then Mixon, Eckler, sneaking in the top 10. It's just a mess. Oh, God. Damian Pierce is RB12 right now. What have we come to? Yeah, the running back landscape is a bit of a mess, which should also make you excited for uh, this class if you weren't already. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we need to hype up the 23rd first, so everyone yeah. I think Dave uh, has been waiting the longest for a question. So go ahead, Dave. Hey, Kosh. Thanks for hosting. Um, So I guess piggybacking on the um, Jonathan Taylor thing, I had a similar question about uh, CMC. Like, would you be looking to move him at all? For instance, um, I could use help at quarterback, um, 12-team redraft, PPR, and – I have a pretty crappy quarterback, but if I could get someone who has two, which who keeps two quarterbacks, but anyway, if I could go after like a Joe Burrow and an Eckler for a CMC and my quarterback, is that something I should consider or hold on to CMC or what are your thoughts there? Who's your quarterback right now? It's a one QB league, I assume. Yeah, it's one QB. It's Goff right now kind of a streaming spot at the moment i think yeah i don't i don't mind streaming quarterbacks like that that's fine i don't think i would make that i don't think i'd make that trade yeah Yeah, it's even cmc still yeah it's not a bad move but i think cmc will be just fine i mean uh the part of the problem in very similar vein to part of the problem with dj Moore is that when you see and i talk about peripherals a lot it's in like target share yards between pass attempt all that good stuff and usually based on those things, you can get a good feeling at where that player is in points per game wise. And when you have such a large difference or a very a pretty large difference between your peripherals and your points per game, it says the situation is being absolutely bad. It's just not a good situation up to this point. So guys like DJ Moore, where they're putting up alpha target shares, now the rest of the peripherals aren't great, but he's so low in points per game. And then you take Christian McCaffrey, who's leading all running backs in target share. He's second or third in yards per team pass attempt. He has an opportunity share of 85.1%, which is second or third in the entire league. Um, You know that he's still getting that usage, and he's still one of the best receiving running backs in in the entire game. So all that usage is there. A running back one finishes very well in the range of outcomes. We're just seeing that the situation hasn't been good at all and it's actually been so bad to where i don't think it can get much worse i think um, that usage will take care of itself and hopefully an uptick in any efficiency at all will help yeah definitely i 100 percent agree dmc still has rb1 in his range of outcomes for the rest of the season so i wouldn't move him in in a redraft league thanks guys appreciate that i I also wanted to throw in on the uh breeze hall comment that i saw him in preseason and i know it's preseason but he did not look good and he looks so much better already four games into the season and i think that just kind of adds to your point of 
not only is he getting the opportunity, but you can see marked improvement in, you know, a rookie running back. So that's all. Yeah, definitely. A lot of, uh, a lot of exciting things for Brees Hall coming up throughout the season. I think with his role, he's going to be like top 12 rest of the season. And then well, and upside down, have top five weeks. I don't think Brees Hall looking terrible in the preseason or even if it was into the regular season yeah. is a bad thing or out of the line of question, even if he is a league winner prospect or whatever you may have, um, even if he was that level, because that's kind of just the nature of the position and kind of being a rookie. I mean, it, it wasn't close to as bad as Jonathan Taylor. Like I remember in 2020 <laughs> going, going through Reddit I, near like Christmas time, like right before Jonathan Taylor's breakout, like we're talking about halfway through the year and you just go on Reddit and it's uh, Jonathan Richardson, you know, Trent yes. Richardson 2.0. And they're showing these highlights of him missing the hole and running straight into the O-line. But you just got to trust the talent in that case. And obviously, Brees Hall is a trusted talent uh, case, except for the part that he is getting the workload this early that we actually kind of wanted him to have. So um, Brees Hall, I would be feeling very, very good about. Absolutely. Speaking of Trent Richardson, what are your thoughts on Nadja Harris right now? (laughs) Where his stock has fallen a lot over the last few weeks. Um, Yeah, I think that's a good question because I've, you know, once once the value drops a little bit, it's you, it's much easier to uh, make make a case that you should be buying them. Um, I wouldn't say that John or uh, Najee Harris is necessarily like someone who's just going out and buying, but I wouldn't say that the the drop in the last week. And I'm looking right now; he's he's still a top ten running back, um, even if it's closer to ten than it is to one, which wasn't the case coming into the season. But he's top ten feel, in what? Yeah. Uh, keep trade cut. Sorry, I was just looking at value. Oh, I thought you meant points. Well, no. Oh no, both. I wasn't looking at anything like that. But that usage is still there. It, mm-hmm. It's it's not well. The target share isn't, um, and that's something that was totally expected because it was one where it was it was a little flaky due to the Ben Roethlisberger situation, where you have an A dot of two. Um, it's like having Mike White as your quarterback for a whole year, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean that's that's how I feel about it. But Najee Harris is still getting very similar usage, and it's you know really good. You're you're being used in a predominant uh, RB one, the carries, um, the guy on the field. Like especially this year, like Jalen Warren isn't going to take his job, and we know Benny Snell isn't going to take his job. He's going to get that high usage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of uh, when I think about, especially because prospect profile wasn't great and his efficiency wasn't great at all. Not that you should follow running back efficiency too much, but there, we've seen situations where players and not good prospects who aren't efficient get, even for a couple of years, get really strong usage. And then you kind of see the fall like a Doug Martin, I think is a really good example because he's also a pretty similar prospect in terms of uh, Najee, but one where you see that usage for the first couple of years and then the rest in the profile kind of falls with it. Najee Harris in 2022 is still getting uh, the usage that you wanted him to, even if, you know, the, the peripherals or efficiency wasn't, uh, isn't there, but we knew that coming in. Yeah. Right now, his opportunity share is 70%, which is, it's all right. I mean, he's doing his best Montgomery impression right now, I think. So I always called him fancy Montgomery and, I don't know. So right now, he really looks like that. I, I would not, right now, 
be rushing out to buy Najee Harris. No, no. He's simply um, not good. I don't know. It, it's better to buy him now than it was coming into the season. Absolutely. Where it was RB2 prices, but, yes. um, I but I'm still not overly buy- interested. I agree. And I think if someone came to me, yeah. maybe I would like try to do it. Like, I, I would try to work out a deal because someone's come to you, you're like, okay, they're worried as well. And so me not liking him isn't going to isn't gonna factor in as much because I'm not I'm not gonna buy him like at market price. I'm gonna try to buy below because someone's if someone's panicking, then that's the move. But yeah, and I th- and I think the whole running back landscape is just gross. There's not too many values that you you like really. Um, if I'm a contender looking for running backs, I'm looking like for the real buy lows. Like Alvin Kamara at this point's a great buy low. Um, Leonard Fournette, great buy low. Um, like those are the players that I'm looking for where the usage is still there. We know the age isn't on their side and it's it's a risky case. But almost all, if you go higher in value to the other running backs that are also getting the volume and the usage, well, they're also risky running backs. So I would rather pay the least for a risk to get my running back production if I need it um, as a s- strong contender. I would rather be doing that than going out and paying, you know, much higher prices for a Dalvin Cook, let's say. Or, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Joe it's Mix looking like zero RB season now. <laughs> it really is looking like zero RB season. Uh, I think Boots has uh, been requesting for a little bit. Yes, Boots. What's up, man? Uh, so, when do we start to slightly panic on Deontay Johnson getting less expected points this year? But not only less expected points, but the fantasy points over expected is just worse than last year. Like, it's getting worse and worse. I was told he got a quarterback upgrade. <laughs> he did. Did you see Kenny Pickett? None of his passes hit the ground on Sunday. <laughs> um, no, Deontay Johnson will be fine. I he right now he has a twenty nine percent target share and his expected points going down is because he literally has no and uh, no red zone targets for the entire season I believe uh, Cooper said that so he'll be all right he's still getting the volume um, but no right now I would not panic on Deontay Johnson he's still in the alpha role uh, you know one he had like one week where he wasn't like an absolute world beating alpha and it was last week and i'm not gonna pivot my entire opinion based on one week especially when it brings his like 33 percent target share on the season down to a, a paltry 29 percent. he'll be all right he's still the volume on the whole season is still insane well okay i want to uh because this stat is interesting to me um we know deontay johnson has been getting that alpha share of targets like you talked about which is the reason that you like deontay johnson to begin with um, I also think that they're as bad as the situation is. We're likely looking at some regression. Um, this one, so we have 15 players right now, or 15 wide receivers in the league, with a, a, a target share 27% or higher. And when you look at their points per game rank, um, you go 1, 2, 4, 5, 9, 11, 17, 14, 21, 10, 16, and 28. And then you have Deontay Johnson at 43. So just just the volume alone says that regression is likely due, even if it's a bad situation, because when you look at players who are earning targets and targets lead to points, have a very quick path to points, as we know. And he's wide receiver 43. 
when the lowest person that has a top target share like that is wide receiver 28 and that's drake london and that's 15 points higher than what he is and we know how bad london situation is um the peripherals haven't quite been there for deontay this year that we'd hope for but the fact that he's still earning all those targets makes him the opposite of someone i want to sell especially with a little bit of depleted value yeah absolutely I was going to go look at everyone with 27% over like the last 10 years and see who the lowest is. But no, nah, you get your, you got the point across very well. I mean, the, the pretty much floor for someone who has a 27% target share and he has, he's at 29 right now. So I'm going a little bit lower just because, just cause uh, I can, but the absolute floor for someone like that is like 15, 16 points per game. And right yeah, now, with I, zero red zone targets, he's at 16 expected points per game. He's going to have some strong normalization in his future. Yeah, I agree. I'd, I would actually rather be holding the Deontay Johnson bag than the DJ Moore bag, if that's that's even a hot take at this point. No, that's not a hot take. I, would, I was taking Deontay coming into the season. Yeah, I would say they're right around the same. And, and both haven't lived up to what we wanted them to, but... Again, like we said with Deontay, he's not going to finish as a wide receiver 43, given that he's a 30% target share guy. And it's not something where we're looking at this target share like, okay, well, we're only through four weeks of the season. No, because he did this last year. Yeah, and absolutely. Even with Big Ben, he was fringe wide receiver one. So, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be a fringe wide receiver one again because the start isn't ideal to finish there. But rest of the season, I wouldn't expect too much different, to be honest. Um, it's just been some pretty bad weeks. Um, and sadly, you might have a rookie quarterback the rest of the season, and not just a rookie quarterback, one that's a low floor prospect. Yes, but he's still got a quarterback upgrade. The important part is that he has a quarterback, and he doesn't have Saquon Bar- Barkley back there throwing him the ball. Not yet, at least, no. I mean, Trubisky was just so unbelievably awful. I don't know who that idiot was who said he got a quarterback upgrade, but... They're they're dumb. They should never do fantasy <laughs> ever again. But at least Trubisky I, was so bad that now we can say that Kenny Pickett's definitely an upgrade, right? That didn't go badly last time I said that. <laughs> well, it might have been a bad joke, but it was pretty fun and entertaining to watch Saquon Barkley be the quarterback one actually for the Giants. So anytime we just have terrible quarterbacks with you know thirty percent target share guys or strong peripheral guys. I'm just going to be like, well, at least it's not Saquon throwing him the ball because we've actually, you know, seen him be a quarterback. I really want to see Kadarius Tony throw some passes on uh, Sunday. I, I think uh, this is off topic, but I think he's actually pretty good at throwing that ball. He is. He was a quarterback in high school, and he, I don't know, I saw some clip where he threw it like 60 yards from his knees. Pretty I good. swear, I swear, everyone was a quarterback in high school, although. <laughs> Although I'm not sure if that's just I wasn't. If, if they're not, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's just per se these days or if that's actually a thing because I was listening to uh, one of the commenters said that Tyler Boyd was uh, quarterback was a high school. They were thinking of Tyler. I go on I go on Twitter later and there's someone who went to Tyler Boyd's high school saying that that was never true. And if he threw a couple Taj, passes. If they're but, talking about Taj Boyd, that's an absolutely awful mistake to make because Taj Boyd and Tyler Boyd have probably never been associated with each other. They got the same last name. That's a, that's about it. I'm pretty sure they meant Taj Boyd. <laughs> Let's hope. 
Absolutely. Uh, Pally has been raising his hand for a little bit, so what's up, man? What's good, y'all? How y'all doing, man? So I had a question about air yards. As far mm-hmm. as air yards, how how much of that are you really taking in consideration? And is there a statistic for catchable yards, if that makes any sense? Because Kyle Pitts is number two for tight ends and air yards, but he's shit in the bed this year. He has 150 yards. So how much are you? How much is that stat? is usable for fantasy football it's a it's a pretty good stat i mean it tells us it's two things um so air yards uh the way that i use it or like the was it is air yard share um and it's like percentage of the team's air yards and then you combine that with target share to make this thing called weighted opportunity rating and it's basically saying okay the targets down the field are worth more, so we're going to put an emphasis on that. So we can see like how much a player is doing. It's also harder to earn targets down the field, like further down the field, because obviously a dump off is uh, it, players dump off more than they throw twenty yards down the field. And so looking at that, if a player has high air yards like that, we do expect them to normalize, especially with Kyle Pitts, who has been like converting none of his deep targets or a lot of his opportunities have just been incomplete where he has like a 45 percent catch rate and so I'll definitely use that to say that he's probably going to regress uh positively but then also um we can say that um when you have that kind of role it is very volatile because it is harder to complete those passes down the field and i would say that air yard share itself is also a good stat um because air yard share takes into account like you're talking about where you have um you know air yards or even if they're not completed um it's how many uh, air yards they have like we just talked about but air yard share takes into account volume as well which is ever so important because you can have players that get some high air yards but that's only on two targets or three targets because they have an A dot, uh, an average depth of target of about 19 yards. So it's really hard to get multiple targets downfield that far. Um, so their air yard share, despite getting you know two big targets, deep targets that way, doesn't stack up as well because the volume wasn't there. So air yard share itself will help you a bit more than yeah. just raw air yards will. Also, if you're a team like the Falcons, who's passing at the second lowest rate in the entire NFL and threw seven passes last Sunday, then then the air yards, like Kyle Pitts having second, being second amongst tight ends and air yards is insane when you consider, one, how he's not been in on close to every route where he's only been playing 75% of routes, and two, where the Falcons have thrown the second least passes in the NFL. I mean, Kyle Pitts has just been continuing to earn opportunities. Things are going to break his way. Yeah, 100%. Kyle Pitts will be just fine. I mean, all the peripherals and the fact that, you know, like like Polly said, where he's second in air yards, whether that's air yard share or not, you're talking about someone that's been absolutely disappointing in fantasy, right? But all the peripherals are lining up his way. And that's just one mm-hmm. of those things where you just got to buy the talent because... Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, then I'm, also... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say like a lot of the time when you have this four-week sample where the peripherals are so good or are still just really good and the points per game isn't exactly matching the peripherals, those usually end up sinking more often down the the stretch um, versus a four-week sample. 
Yeah, absolutely. And when you have a player like Kyle Pitts at the tight end position, and this was a point made by Jacob Sanderson, his thread about um, Kyle Pitts, when you have a player like that where the tight end landscape right now, the only player right now who's like a good combination of production and age is Mark Andrews right now. And so I would absolutely not be selling Kyle Pitts because other than that, like the only other guys who at the top of the tight end position are like 33-year-old Travis Kelsey. He turns, he turns th- uh, 33, I believe, tomorrow. George Kittle, who hasn't been producing so far this season, near where he was years ago. Darren Waller, who also has been producing towards what, he, what his pre-production was. And then a bunch of other mediocre guys who were like 25 to 28. And so I would definitely not be selling like the 21-year-old Kyle Pitts. If he hits next season it's back up to you know back up to be having like the first round you get the massive positional advantage you get like the first round dynasty startup player he's just like an unmatchable type of asset if he hits because he's basically inevitable because he is so good at football it's not like at the wide receiver position where it's like i'm concerned about his role and the team so i'm just going to pivot to another wide receiver too and for a lot cheaper no you can't do that with Kyle Pitts because the ceiling is basically unmatchable for what his age is. And like who else are you gonna beat? Who else are you gonna have who's close to his age, who gives you close to his production, what his production ceiling is? Mo- like Brock Bowers who comes out in twenty twenty four or Michael Mayer who has athleticism concerns. Like not Michael Mayer. It's not no, Michael Mayer. Yeah. I know. It's it's tough. Like you can't be selling Kyle Pitts right now. Uh and also let so Kyle Pitts has just been so bad to start the year, right? Like in just terms of fantasy football, Kyle Pitts has not been good outside of one week where it was usable. He's just not been good. You know, when we look at his peripherals, oh, he's fourth amongst tight ends in target share. His air yard market share only trails Mark Andrews. His whopper only trails Mark Andrews. He's had a terrible year, and we know that receiving grades have some correlation to quarterback grades, yet he's 10th in PFF passing grade or receiving grade which is also substantially worse than he was as a rookie, which tells us these he's still stacking up good against tight ends, yet he's kind of not as good as he was as a rookie per se. And yeah, like everything points to Kyle Pitts has great peripherals, but the fantasy output hasn't been there. And then you look at the peripherals and you're like, yeah, they've been good. And it still isn't what he was as a rookie, shall we say. Kyle Pitts still has break fantasy football well within the range of outcomes um it's just been a weird start to the year i would say absolutely absolutely like he is like in some in some manners he's actually been better than his rookie season just in terms of target share and uh, Mm -hmm. targets per out run like it's there's no reason to panic on him he'll sort of he'll sort himself out like this happened uh, with Mark Andrews as well, where they were running him on like a little bit less, like less routes, and then his routes have only gone up throughout his own entire career. He was a low low volume offense, and then they realized, hey, this guy, he's kind of the best tight end in all of football. We should use him a lot, and then they did. Well, and as funny as it is, last year, so his whole NFL career. He hasn't played with a target earner to the same level that Drake London is. And that may sound funny to say because we're only four weeks into his rookie <laughs> season. But he hasn't, or he didn't play with a target earner that is as good as Drake London or earns to the level that Drake London does. And so you have someone, 
who at this point through four weeks of the season is earning a Cooper Cup share. Like he's second in the league in target share, only trailing Cooper Cup. And Kyle Pitts right beside him and not being used, his usage is down from last year, is earning targets at a very, very strong rate. So, oh, yeah, I this mean, offense is just going through those two guys pretty much because they're so good at the game. Like, yeah, this is what you want to see for those guys. Like, the volume's not ideal, but for what the volume is, they're doing the they're doing the Seattle Seahawks thing where it's like, okay, no one on our offense for receivers is good except for DK and Tyler Lockett, so we're just going to pass to them over half the time, and it works. And that's what they're doing in Atlanta. Yep. And, I mean, fantasy-related or not, whatever quarterback comes in there likely next year, it's going to be really exciting. That's right. It's going to be an upgrade, as Boots would say. Yes, because you don't get into too many situations where you're walking into having receivers like uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London. That really never happens. So, um, Arthur Smith might actually be a better head coach if he just tanks this year. I know. I really want to see them tank, just because I'm a Falcons fan. So, like, Bryce Young to Kyle Pitts and Drake London is my dream. Oh, yeah, that sounds great uh, from a fantasy perspective as well. I would absolutely love to uh, see something like that where we have a good passer go to a team like that. Or at least at least some something where they feel comfortable throwing more passes than what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, even, even for Atlanta, before they traded him, a 38-year-old Matt Ryan or whatever it is these days was throwing 40 attempts per game for a few years there, even, even after the MVP year. Yep, I know. It's it's crazy. I mean, imagine if they have an actually good passer, unlike what Matt Ryan was last year and what Mariota is this year. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he's a piece of shit person, but I was pretty excited because I thought that Sean Watson would end up in Atlanta, which we know what that would have meant for Drake London and Kyle Pitts, uh, who are already dominating with peripherals. They might actually, at this point, they might actually be dominating in terms of raw points per game. Yep. Oh, I mean, he'd still be suspended, so. Oh, yeah. There's Back to the Mariota drawing board. Yeah, there is that. So you would still likely have Mariota. But either way, um, it makes it easier than preying on Young next year. But yeah, absolutely. I think think another good indication that it's still early and you shouldn't, you know, be abandoning completely on a ship that you believed in coming into the season. I think if you believed in something coming into the season, it's still too early to give up on that. You can pivot your stance a little bit, but to completely abandon ship on something's ridiculous. And I think the best thing to show that is that Geno Smith through four weeks is a QB1 and has the second highest BFF passing grade in the entire league. So um, that is like the biggest indication that, hey, it's still pretty early. Yeah, this is Geno having a really good start to the year. It's so unexpected. I don't know. It's like someone said it was like what Brandon Lloyd did in, in uh, Denver. And uh, it's like, yeah, but basically. But yeah, you know, at least it was a former first rounder. So maybe maybe <laughs> he's their franchise quarterback. No, I'm just oh, kidding. man. I've, I, as a CX fan, I get a lot of local um, articles and stuff like that that I read. And lately, there was one that uh, crossed my news feed about a comparison of Geno Smith being better than Russell Wilson in 2022. And that, was, that title itself said it is still really damn early in 2022 to be freaking out on a player. Bad newspaper is player. coping so hard with the loss of Russell Wilson. 
Well, I mean, I and think yeah, Seattle we're all trying to with seeing how Russ has played. Yeah, well, uh, last week they finally had a good game. That's right, and it's all because of Rashad Penny. Yeah, well, and it's it's funny because they didn't actually win that game against an zero and three team, but in terms of like peripherals, especially from Russell Wilson, it was probably their best game on the season. And for oh, Russell you're Wilson, about, it was you're talking about the Broncos, game. okay? My bad. Yeah, well, I thought we were talking about Russell Wilson, so I was I was going off the Broncos because he hasn't okay. been good. Uh, well, actually, uh, speaking of the Broncos, just throw some more out there. Yeah. Um, it, what whatever the plus is for Jerry Judy. It probably is worth it to up that to Cortland Sutton um, because they're kind of playing to the profiles that we would have expected. Uh, maybe not as much Cortland Sutton, but part of that is that last year, I think the expectations were too high coming off the ACL injury because we do see some situations where a player that's an extra year removed from injury mm-hmm. uh, returns to form much better than you know the first year removed from injury. Because there was, like last year, we were talking about Corlin Sutton having upside and that his profile was actually pretty strong. And then he didn't quite live up to that. And now we're seeing him be this 27.7% uh, target share earner, like a solid yard between pass attempt guy. Like the peripherals are good to start the season with Corlin Sutton and with the offense picking up. And he's a he's a deeper ADOT guy. His ADOT on the season is above 15, and that's kind of about what it's been his entire career. And he's going. He's paired up with the best deep ball passer in the game. And the fact he's earning targets at the rate he is, um, whatever the plus is for Judy is probably just fine to send to get to Colin Sutton because it's not actually that high. I was, I don't know. I was, I'm with you. Sutton looks like an all right buy right now. Um, he's priced right now. He's, he's 26 at a wide receiver 20 prices. He probably finished the season as a high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one. But honestly, Jerry Judy looks like an all right buy right now. He's 23 years old. His numbers are kind of skewed because he left the game early with his with a shoulder injury and then played limited snaps in week three. But on the season. Yes. He has. You're still, you're still looking at under a twenty percent target rate. He has a twenty percent target rate on the nose. Yes. Yeah, and that's fine. It's about what I expected coming into the year. In a Russell Wilson offense, it's if Russell Wilson can be like the Russell Wilson that we know and love, he's probably going to finish as a wide receiver three, and that's what he had in his two full games, like where he has actually played. Uh, in his two full games where he hasn't like left early. He has well, 20 points and 15 points. That's with a, with a touchdown in both. His expected points in those deep, games. A deep touchdown in both should be noted. Um, One of them was uh, like a 20-yarder, I believe. He did have a deep play. Yes, you're right. But honestly, Jerry Judy right now, I think he's a fine. I think he's fine to like float out offers for right now. Like yeah, Terry versus okay. Judy or Mike Williams versus Judy. Gabe Davis versus Judy. Like I'm taking Judy right yeah. there. I'm taking Judy and all those, and I yeah, wouldn't have fine. earlier, but Terry McLaurin's decline hasn't exactly been, and maybe it's not a decline, it's just a bad four weeks, um, but Jerry Judy is in the good offense, and Terry McLaurin's not, and Terry McLaurin's peripherals haven't been what they have. I might yeah. have fought back if Terry McLaurin had been... Like 25, uh, if, tw- if Terry had been like his himself with like 25, 26% target share then I would not be on that. I wouldn't exactly be on the boat. Yeah, but. and that's exactly what I'm saying, but we've seen that decline from Terry, so where it's a little bit more okay. Um, but the thing mm-hmm. with Jerry Judy is 
So coming into the year, at least looking at like a Broncos projection, it was probably the, the right thing to do given the profiles that both these players would have a similar target share, but uh, they're both going to be under 25%, mostly supported by a good situation. Um, but the thing is, we knew Cortland Sutton coming into last year had that upside in his range of outcomes, but the injury may have hindered it, which is why which is why I've put a little bit more into uh, what Cortland Sutton's doing his first four weeks. Because if Cortland Sutton puts up these peripherals in an improving Russell Wilson offense, and also part of that is people who are saying, well, Russell, or are worried about Russell Wilson not breaking out or being the same again. We literally have a 10-year, an actual 10-year <laughs> sample size from his rookie year because he wasn't a bad rookie. He was one of the best rookie quarterbacks to play. Yeah. Um, no, so I, would, we have, I would bet we on have an actual, Yeah, we have an actual 10-year sample size of him being a very good passing quarterback. Um, so it's very fair to expect that week four is much more of the Russell Wilson will get than the previous couple weeks. Um, and that being said, it's likely a good offense. And if Cortland Sutton puts up the peripherals that he has in this offense, we're looking at someone who's a clear wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's fair right now. So, a little bit of a pivot. I made a trade the other day. I think it was before uh, week four, actually. But I want you to tell me what you think. I gave like it. I just didn't want to haggle, so I just straight up Amari Cooper for Sky Moore. In that case, I think I'd take Amari Cooper. Um, Ooh, shut up. <laughs> That's fine. Keep taking that says I lost the, too. You have the safe side. Um because we know Amari Cooper doesn't have the upside that we've always wanted him to have. Um, but he is someone who will still earn a twenty percent target share, most likely. Mm-hmm. And he'll have Deshaun Watson coming back to the offense. Um we know that but on that flip side you're making that move because the value upside, and I bring value upside because there's a lot of like, it's not as much numbers with value upside. Like you're talking about if a rookie is going to be really good to start, that value has a lot more flexibility. Like look at Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave who are in, in uh keep trade cut. They're up to wide receiver, like 12 or 13 or 14, like in that 12 to 14 range. Yeah. Well, if we had a breakout or great year, like we're seeing from Cortland Sutton, let's say, where he's being an alpha on what's going to be a likely pretty good offense, you don't see that because we have years of Cortland Sutton. And that, that plays a part in people's value or how they value players. Because um, it's, if it's, it's the new toy that's producing or a, a newer toy that's producing, you see the value go up quicker or higher faster. And so that's what I mean by like that the value um, – has higher upside at least immediately with Sky Moore because if Sky Moore all of a sudden in the next few weeks becomes a player that he hasn't been to start the season, well, yeah, his value will get higher than Amari Cooper because, well, pretty much everyone knows who Amari Cooper is, Uh, even if, you know, he's been even better in these first four weeks than we would have expected, um, and he has Deshaun Watson come to the offense. But that being said, Sky Moore has a lot of risk because, you know, he was I don't know, Sky Moore... Sky he's Moore a good right prospect now. In some I think you agree that he's a fantastic buy, right? Because he's getting so cheap. Right. He is a he was a great prospect, like just dominant college production. Even though he was a smaller school, he still got drafted in round two, and it's fine that he's not playing. Yeah, like in his in the first three weeks of his uh, rookie season, he played a little bit more in in week four. But you know, mm-hmm. we're, we got. Juju, who they signed to a one-year deal. They got MVS, who they signed to a three-year deal. 
that's basically a one-year deal because they can get out of it. And then you have Miko Hardman, who's a fine NFL player, and he knows the offense. Like, it's week three, if Skymore not playing over them, is not the end of the world. And we've seen, if he can get on the field, you know, if, they be like, if they're like, okay, we need some upside because these guys, none of their receivers so far have been overly impressive. And if they say, okay, let's get Sky out there, and they just get him out there more and more, and we know that we have a very good idea that he's good from what his, he did in college. And if he can continue to be good, if he even shows flashes, then that value is going to go up just because of, you know, you got this wide receiver, he's young, he's showing flashes, he's at making touchdowns, he's playing with Patrick Mahomes, all that type of stuff. The value upside is massive. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to talk about Sky Moore. Um, I think part of the problem with Sky Moore is we've also seen rookies as of the last couple of years be producers a lot sooner than you know years past and especially this year where you have like chris olave uh, garrett wilson drake london all being very high in terms of value right out the gate and but we knew those guys would be value. starters in week one like and they were also yeah, but, first but we're talking about building value because drake london wasn't valued as high as he was um at the beginning of the season garrett wilson wasn't mm-hmm. chris olave surely wasn't uh Jahan dotson surely wasn't and his peripherals actually don't quite support the value that he has yeah but so rookies are getting thrust into it and the thing with sky Moore is that there is some okay it's still early in rookies you know may take the latter part of the season as we know to prove their production uh you could say but on the season a 22 percent target rate isn't bad except that's also coming off 22 routes yeah so the route, it's very the route vo- it's, very, it's very very volatile so you don't have much there um mm-hmm. But so if you're buy- so if you're buying Sky Moore, um, you're you're basically basing your buy off the prospect profile. Yeah, because I am. there's some good, some bad, but there's not enough to take away, especially because his is a three week sample size um, in one, three, and four because he didn't play in week two. Um, <laughs> Technically, so you're looking, yeah, you're looking at a three week sample size um, of a rookie. So if you are buying. Um, Sky Moore, you're basing it off the the uh, the belief in his prospect profile. I think it's fair to yeah, say. Yeah, I think that's a fine bet to make four weeks into his rookie season, just solely basing it off of his good rookie prospect profile at wide receiver forty six prices. That's fine, and the the upside is is great. Like if I'm trying, like, and this is what I did in that league, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like, I can't, I can't contend. You know, I've had some bad injuries, so. Let's just fire sale. Everyone's got to go. And then I sold Amari Cooper for Sky Moore just because, you know, don't need the Amari Cooper points. All right. Well, I want to ask you a couple questions that I've been wanting to ask you. Okay. Um, and starting off with George Pickens. Mm-hmm. So I'm still looking at Cape Trade Cut just because it's a pretty easy source to get to. Um, yeah. But George Pickens is valued. The, the people he's next to in value are Devontae Smith, Cortland Sutton, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Christian Kirk, Michael Pittman. Those are all the guys about 500 points and KTC points away from him as far as wide receivers. Um, and then a couple others like Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, Mike Evans. Um, do you think that's a fair price for George Pickens or a price that you're selling, buying? What are you doing with that? No, I think it's a pretty fair price, honestly. And, you know, it goes back to what we were saying, like with the the value upside for him right now. He has a 16% target share on the season. 
and that's fine. Like George Pickens, we've seen some rookies like really hit the ground running. George Pickens can definitely be like it's okay to have a sixteen percent harder share in the first four weeks of the season and just it like probably goes up as the season goes along. Like we saw him get more involved in week four than he was in weeks one through three. Because in weeks one through three, they're basically just like, okay, you're just gonna run, you're just gonna run go routes. But we, he got more involved in week four, and I think it's a fair price to pay for him. I, I wasn't as on him as a prospect as some other people were, but the the freshman production was good at Georgia, and then the sophomore was okay then towards ACO. So I, I think it's a fair price for him because of the value upside if he can continue to build. On the on a sixty percent target share, I think it's a it's a fine price to pay. Like, you know, definitely yeah. some guys in that range. I'm selling. Like the I'm definitely not buying Christian Kirk the wide receiver twenty two. And and just looking through this, it is um, pretty crazy to talk about value upside because I'm just going through rookie rankings on uh, Keep Trade Cut, and mm-hmm. nearly all the rookies at the top. Well, actually, every rookie inside the top ten has gained value. Um, since the draft, which I think is something because we know that during the draft is usually when these players get priced pretty high, especially in Dynasty. So the fact that we're four weeks into the season and we've seen them all basically gain value mm-hmm. in the top 10, I think says something. Uh, that being said, Sky Moore has fallen quite a bit, and he's one of the few that has. Um, but I, I haven't looked too close, but he's valued close to Alec Pierce, and he's valued behind Malik Willis. Which, as much as you know, I think there's some risk with his uh, prospect profile that um, you know everyone may not be talking about. There is risk, and it hasn't been a great start to the season. That being said, it's still fine enough rookie prospect profile that that price, Sky Moore, where you're paying less than basically what it would cost to get Rashad White, I think is fine. I think that's totally fine. Yeah, it is fine. We've just seen a lot of risers that I think people are getting a little impatient with the guys who aren't hitting the field like that but you know that's okay you know and we saw uh i don't think elijah moore made like any did like much of anything until weeks five to six you know i'm on ross and brown didn't start his hot stretch continue that for his sophomore year as well (laughs) seems like it but yeah i'm on ross and brown didn't do much of anything till week what was it like 10 11 i mean this is fine there's still time for upside no one's terrace marshall yet yet you know We'll yeah. see. Um, and no one is quite Diami Brown yet either, I would say. No, yeah. Diami was actually funny because he was getting routes to start the season and he was just horrible. Awful. Uh, but I do have a little bit of pushback on George Pickens because I think everyone around his value is someone I would rather have than George Pickens, even mm-hmm. though we know big games as a rookie can continue blowing up his uh, value. Yeah. Just because he's a rookie. Myth, um, Sutton, JMO. Yes. Yeah. Kirk. I think I don't know. I don't know about Kirk. I, know, I don't I'm, know about I'm starting I'm starting to turn around a bit on Kirk. It's still very early and he hasn't done this in his career, but it's very intriguing. I don't think that I think yeah. that pricing kinda I'm like still a little bit leaning pickings, uh, because he's a rookie. It's easier for him to value blow up and it's it's more it's pretty realistic for Christian Kirk's peripherals to fall after just a four week sample size in his fifth season in the NFL. Absolutely. Um, he's way outperforming yeah. his entire career. Like he probably finished the season as a wide receiver two or three and then But uh, I he's never want, been I, he's never had elite peripherals in his I career. I do want to make it known 
that I made a tweet in the beginning of the year and it was regarding Cooper Cup because, you know, everyone wants to talk about how this is the next <laughs> Cooper Cup. I made a tweet that Cooper Cup took till year five to break out and he was someone who didn't even have a 25, let alone like 24% target share or whatever it was. I can't quite, you know, remember the specifics of the tweet, but it was right there. And yeah, the, only he was top- that, the, the only player that matched not having good peripherals, but still okay through four years, they could have a similar Cooper Cup breakout this season in their fifth year. The only player that we could come up with or that I could come up with was Christian Kirk. So it was more of a joke tweet, but That's the fact that Christian Kirk has, has, has started out as hot as he has is uh, just pretty funny because he's doing much better than what his career peripherals uh, care to say. And that the fact know. that he was like the only one that mm-hmm. matched up with a Cooper Cup type breakout is just comical to me every time I look at Christian Kirk's peripherals. Cup had, a, had 17 points per game in his second season before he tore his ACL, and then the season after he tore his ACL. Like, he tore his ACL mid-season, second season, comes back, and he had 17 points per game again in his third season. And that, uh, that offense crumbled in Jared Goff's last season. But I don't know. Kirk has never had a season above 13 points per game. Yeah. and Until uh, now. Uh, well, but, you know, so I don't Cooper think, I don't had, think he's, he's had... He's had solid. Per- he was like, I would say, coming into the year, he was like an Amari Cooper, where he's productive, um, yeah. and he earns a like beta share or less than alpha share, like twenty to twenty three percent of the targets uh, year in and year out. And then he has that blow up last year, um, which is kind of similar, I guess, to uh, Christian Kirk's. But again, I'm not saying this to say that he is uh, the Cooper Cup year five breakout. It was more of just a joke to say that. You know, if we're following the exact criteria that a Cooper Cup breakout uh, was last year, the one mm-hmm. eligible for it this year would be uh, Christian Kirk. So the fact that he his peripherals through four weeks are really sh- like pretty strong, and a hopefully ascending offense is is comical. But that being said, like Akash said, wide receiver twenty one twenty two prices for Christian Kirk isn't something I'm buying into right now. Yeah, if you can sell him. For a future first, then I'd do that. You don't get twenty threes, but you can get a twenty four. And then, like Pickens versus like Evans, like it really depends on your team build. I wouldn't mind saying Evans if you really want points, but I would take Pickens in a vacuum. And how funny is is Mike Evans? He's someone. Uh, for those who don't know, I do cornerstone rankings, which is basically rankings only based on peripherals. And that Mike Evans has just seemingly always clinged on to the very end there. Because all of his peripherals are dropping. Like his target share on the year, despite being good in terms of fantasy production, his peripherals on the year, he's like an 18% target share earner, which is like what he was last year. Um, he has been better on a per route basis. Per route like, basis. He did get ejected in the middle of the game. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say the middle. That was much more towards the end. But yes. Um, there was that he left a game and his per route numbers are still good, but they're not elite or anything like that. No, he's still someone that continues to catch red zone passes and gets red zone targets in a good offense. And that's what is seemingly propelled Mike Evans. Okay. Peripherals in the last couple of years, but another year, another okay. Mike uh, Evans peripherals year with solid fantasy production with it. Yeah, honestly. And then I don't know. Now that Brady doesn't have a wife, do you think he keeps playing after this year? 
<laughs> I don't want to turn this football or this conversation too away from football, but man, it feels like the the, the I mean, we talk about risk all the time in fantasy football, and I'm not sure that the risk was quite worth losing uh, Giselle there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he's Crazy. coming back for what a year, maybe two. <laughs> all that to lose in you're, like you're taking around to the and you're taking the you're taking the chance that Brady's peripherals and production finally fall off a little bit because the age is catching up and so that those those few years at the end of your career were worth it I guess but I guess I don't know I saw this meme where it's like Giselle I bet he's thinking about football and then it's like Brady mm, football because <laughs> you know the meme where that it's is like too good. Yes, that is that is normally they're not there. thinking about it, but no, nah, I guess is. he's he's married to the game, you know. The game what gave him and, seven rings and Giselle only gave what? him for those that uh don't know, um the fact that uh Brady is well okay. I lost I lost my train of thought there because <laughs> you brought up a meme and I started thinking about a meme of Patrick Mahomes going up to Brady and it was like Oh man, I'm jealous of you. And Brady was like, "Oh, the seven rings." And he goes, "No, the divorce." Um, but yeah, I was I was in the middle of trying to remember something actually serious that I was saying, and then you bring up that meme talk brought that one into my mind. But uh, uh, if we're gonna talk about Brady, his peripherals have fallen like a little bit, but he's still been Tom Brady. Yeah, no, he'll be I mean, he'll be all right. They're still they're still throwing it a lot, so. Yeah, he's be okay. sixth in PFF passing grade, only trailing Patrick Mahomes. Well, actually, he's fifth. He's only trailing Patrick Mahomes to a tongue of Iloa, Geno Smith, and Jalen Hurts. Ah, of course. Very normal list. That's what we all expect yes. at the of the year. That's, that's your four-week list. Okay, before we wrap this up, because I know we're over an hour, just wanted to rapid-fire a few players that I haven't talked about that I kind of wanted to just kind of bring up. Uh, first one, Pat Fryermuth. Um, the peripherals have actually been pretty strong. Um, we know it's not a good situation, but he came into the year with a range of outcomes or route that, uh, uh, well, that's moderately built that featured guys like Greg Olson, George Kittle, Aaron Hernandez, um, Travis Kelsey. Like it had a really high upside um, range of outcomes, even though the floor was pretty bad. There wasn't too much production in the floor. But the fact that we've seen Pat Fryermuth now put up a 23% target share, the rest of the peripherals like PFF. Uh, receiving grade or within the top 10 um and all the other peripherals yards between past attempts are looking good um i'm starting to get pretty excited about pat fryermuth if i can buy him um i don't know for dalton schultz even if i have to take dalton schultz plus a three or some deal like that to get pat fryermuth even in a bad situation i think the long-term upside is looking really good interesting i don't hate it yeah, he's someone that I've become a bit more intrigued with, especially because, you know, he had an, a solid rookie year that kind of got overshadowed by an absolutely historic rookie year. Um, but, yeah, he's someone that I have grown to like a bit more than I thought because the peripherals are matching much closer to the ceiling outcome than the floor outcome. And the value hasn't moved too much because of it, and that makes me excited for him. Um trying to think if I had anyone else I wanted to talk about before I read this up because it was it's been an exciting four weeks um, a lot of stuff we didn't quite expect uh, and then CeeDee Lamb 
I'll finish with CeeDee Lamb because I pivoted a bit with CeeDee Lamb in terms of his values falling, and I kind of like him at his value. Um, his target share is 33.1% on the year, 2.09 yards per hour run, 2.20 yards per team pass attempt, 28.3% target rate, 16.1 points per game on the season. Everything I just named was a career high for CD through four weeks. And we know the talent was there because even though the fact he wasn't earning a high volume of targets last year, his BFF receiving grade and his per route numbers were pretty solid. Um, it didn't make his price to acquire a wide receiver three uh, worth it, I would say. Those peripherals don't. But the fact that he's blown up this year and his peripherals all look career high and somehow his value has fallen in the process, I'm starting to come a lot more around on CeeDee Lamb than I ever have. Yeah, I like that. He probably finished the year. Where do you think he finishes the year? Like 20. I think he's still a fringe 20. wide receiver one. But if these peripherals continue, we're looking at someone that's like a wide receiver seven, wide receiver eight, I want to say. Yeah, I don't think 33% holds like in terms of his target share, that yeah. kind of role. If it does, he's top five. But it's yes. not old. Um, but no, he can finish the year as a low, low wide receiver one with a like, 27% target share. Which will be a career year for him, and somehow at the end of the year, we'll probably see his value the lowest it's ever been. <laughs> somehow, some way. Yeah. You know, so. The thing about the thing about Ceedee Lamb is that he never really was wide receiver three because everyone was like, "Yes, he is wide receiver three. Well, some people were, some people were, but it was just a lot because someone had to be wide receiver three. I don't know. Yep. But and looking back at it now, even in a bad situation, I think it should have been AJ Brown. Whatever that's worth at all. Yeah. AJ Brown and then Drake London for me. That's yeah. My, that's my rankings. Yeah. Uh, Drake London is fantastic, but don't have enough time to get into the whole profile. He's We uh, talked about him at the beginning. It's okay. Yeah. We talked about how he's a better earner than uh, Travis, or, uh, than Kyle Pitts. And that was the first time I've, I've heard and said words like that, but it was actually true. So it was kind of like one of those things where I was like, oh, you're right. He is a better target earner than Kyle Pitts. Yeah, that's okay. Because he is a wide receiver. Wide receivers typically earn more targets. Yeah, and uh, one last thing. Last thing I'll say of substance uh, this Wednesday is that uh, the tweet I made before I got on here was I was looking at wide receivers in their second season and who had the highest target share. There's been two wide receivers in their second season to post a higher than 30% target share, A.J. Green and Brandon Marshall. And uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is doing that this season as a sophomore. And so he could join that list. But I also thought it was absolutely crazy that Drake London would fit that list. Yet he's not a sophomore. He's a rookie. So, yes, he would be the first rookie receiver to ever hit a 30-plus percent target share. And that's just how good he's been. That's crazy. Yeah. And he probably doesn't even finish the year with, like, a JJ or Chase-level production. So... He's a good buy right now. So thank you very much, Marcus Mariota. Yes, thank you. And thank you, Arthur Smith, for yes. this war thank crime you. of an offense that passes 25 <laughs> times a game. Thank you, Arthur Smith, for the buy-low window on Kyle Pitts. And thank you, Marcus Mariota, for the buy-low window on Drake London, for, <laughs> if there is one. Yeah, it was always a good time to buy high. Yes. Awesome. Cool. That about wraps it up. Thank you for everyone listening. Uh, have a great day. I had a great time. And uh, next Wednesday, sound good, Akash? Yes, sir. Every yes, Wednesday, sir. we'll be here. Sounds great. Have a good one, guys.
Bye.